Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. The time to waste run to the cross. Drunk old lies of this age feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for their lust. Blindly passion, they call you to join them all into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his mark. Father, there is not, in all the universes, there are not words that can capture the glory that you are, the awesomeness that you are, the praise that you, oh, Lord, if Jesus, if we could just gush, just pour out gushing praise into you, into the very essence of, of, of the energies that are around about us and a part of us here, even in this very dark prison planet at the time, really, I, I believe with all of my heart at the darkest times, uh, you know, maybe maybe not, uh, you know, uh, visually the darkest times, but certainly the darkest times from a demonic release, from a demonic influence standpoint across the world. We are certainly beyond any shadow of a doubt, in my opinion, clearly in the very darkest end times period that the earth has ever seen. So many things, Father God, are happening all over the world, all over Africa, all over different parts of the world, all over South America. So many things that, that we don't even get wind of. We don't get, if somebody doesn't release it on Twitter, if somebody doesn't uh, send us a, a personal communication, we have no idea. The outbreaks and riots and chaos, mayhem, the killings, the persecutions, the things that are happening, the the, up, the uprisings of the people against their own government that's occurring in so many uh, uh, different parts of the world that we, again, we never even get wind of it. We never even get wind of it. The things that are uh, exactly what you warned us about, Jesus, at the Olivet Discourse, and boy, we're so far beyond checking all those boxes. It's just absolutely amazing. Seems like the only one that's left really at this point, other than the, inc- the expected increase of, its, of the intensity, is uh, that Israel would be surrounded by her enemies, which would be the really the final warning for us, scripturally speaking, to be prepared for imminent uh, departure. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
We thank you for these uh, understandings. We praise you for everything, Father. We thank you for helping us to be able to, uh, you know, helping me and maybe helping, maybe as a result, maybe helping some others uh, in our journey, uh, grabbing that those negative thoughts and just grabbing, grabbing by the neck and flipping them around and turning them into positive thoughts, trusting the prayer, power of our prayers, believing and not just uh, praying and then feeling bad and sad and you know, woe is me, but absolutely believing beyond any shadow of a doubt, knowing in our hearts that you are going to answer those prayers and being truly joyful that those prayers are going to be answered. Praise God. Again, maybe not in kind, uh, as uh, Charles Spurgeon said on the May 19th uh, p.m. Uh, morning and evening, but uh, you know, but but they will be answered, and in and in many cases, if not all cases, in a much more glorified manner than even that which we knew how to pray. Father, we praise you for Romans 8:26. Uh, likewise, the Spirit also helps in in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. We thank you, Father for this journey. We praise you, Father, for strengthening strengthening us even more so uh, as we continue forward amidst the rise of the darkness, exactly as was prophesied and exactly as it is spoken in your word. We praise you for not allowing us to slip into uh, a, a, a doctrine of deception on the journey and keeping us well, maybe not perfectly balanced on the narrow path by any stretch, but at least helping us to helping to pull us up out of the wells when we slip down. If we break through the guardrail, Lord Jesus, let us be that one sheep that you go after, whatever it takes for us to make it. Lord Jesus, Father God, in we pray, please. Many are called, few are chosen. We see the onset of the barley harvest approaching. We don't know if it's three months, five months, Two years, we don't know. But we praise you for helping to steady our course, helping us to understand that we have to go through testings and refiner's fire and a whole lot of it, and that we have to be able to pass those tests with a pure heart and 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 in really truly in compliance with with walking in the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and Self-control, Galatians 2, uh, 5.22, praise your name. And, and Father, and now to him, our Lord Jesus, who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless someday, Father God, before your presence in your throne room with exceeding joy. And to you, Father, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Amen. Watch and pray For I would come for you one day I gave you my word so you would know The time I'd come and take you home It's time for you to look up 
the signs I gave were coming down. Don't be called to sleep and cry. You don't want to be left behind. Come and be home. 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 Well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, it. it it's, you know, it's it's fascinating, and it's very hard to articulate. But when you really when you're doing, the, you know, like a radio show like this, and this is weird, you know, this is kind of a, it's an unusual format. We cover a lot of exceedingly advanced topics that a lot of people don't even believe in, but they're, they are right. Um, and, um, uh, you know, it took a long, long time for the Lord to help me to understand, you know, it, m- many miracles, many confirmations, amazing things. Thank you, Jesus. And, you know, you really don't want to be like, you know, you know, there's always a margin of error, but at least praise God, you know, the journey has been, well, it's been pretty challenging, but, um, but, but I think really at this time in, in, in cooperation and concert with, in continuity with the prophecy that uh, was uh, read uh, on the Friday night prayer vigil, just this last Friday, a couple, couple days ago uh, on the 13th, um, that, that particular prophecy I think is, as a matter of fact, I'm scrolling down to it because I do want to touch upon this. For those of you who, uh, you know, because not everybody does the prayer vigil thing, you know, some folks, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. So anyway, praise God. But um, for those that did, you you know, this will be a little bit of a rerun, but for you, just this particular topic. But um, I think this is really this beyond words, a fabulous, stupendous, super duper duper natural confirmation directly from the throne room that um, this whole kick that I got on, I don't, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't pretend like angels show up in my room and, you know, because once you get that attitude where I'm hearing from God, well, guess what? (laughs) You're done. That's it. Go ahead. Fine. You know, but guess what? You know, your brothers and sisters can't communicate. You can't, can't, you could be saying something that is totally off the tracks, incorrect, but because you're so sure you're hearing from God, there's no talking to you. Because after all, you're hearing from God. I don't ever, I don't ever, I know when the Lord is speaking to me. The Lord, it, it's undeniable, but it's directly between me and him. And then I convey the, I convey the testimony Okay, so I don't do the yay, say it, the Lord thing. You know, the Lord told me with my big crybaby eyes on YouTube telling everybody something that almost certainly didn't come from the Lord. But that's okay. In some cases, maybe it did. Uh, but, um, but you know, the Lord talks to me in a totally different way, uh, sometimes spread out over years of time before he'll give me a confirmation on, on a particular topic that, you know, I 
probably deep in my heart need one. Uh, you know, God knows what we need more than we do. That's why a lot of times what we pray for, we don't get because he's, what he's doing is he's taking that prayer power and that petition, that, po- that prayer power, and it's stacking up for you. And there'll be something bigger and more amazing that God's going to end up giving you, uh, you know, as a result of your, uh, you know, fervently continuing to pray. And sometimes you might end up having to pray for a really, really long time before you see whatever version of the manifestation of that prayer or gift and of course you have to get past as we've been talking about quite a lot we got you got to pass the test okay you can't have the money till you get until you pass the test uh, you know i love that, that little you know can't have the money until you pass the test you know uh, uh andrew womack would say so anyway um uh you know and uh i it, and it's true uh and you know it, it, i even have this little saying on my phone i forget i'm gonna butcher it i'll get it all wrong but that's okay I still give my best, you know, high school try, but it basically goes something along, you know, um, you know, uh, we oftentimes don't get what we, what we, what we are praying for because God is intercepting that ask and he is, uh, you know, uh, going to give you something completely different. In other words, the point being that sometimes we pray for things that if we actually got them, the awful terrible outcome the fallout that would ultimately potentially even destroy our lives that we're not aware always sometimes we think we're asking for something that's noble it's the right thing but we don't see the beginning from the end like our father does and i believe with all of my heart our father will oftentimes now he'll let you go through the test he will let you suffer he will let you you know you got to be torn down and this is something that you hear from the missionaries line some preachers and stuff and it's a true story you have to be torn down in order to be built back up again. And sometimes that journey of getting torn down, boy, that's rot. That is just rot with all kinds of confusion and upsetness and feeling sorry for yourself and mistakes and slipping into sin and just, you know, and, and really the sin of unbelief helps thou mine unbelief, the man said. You know, um, uh, you know, it, 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 you, you, we don't even realize it sometimes. We're like, well, oh, I just feel sad because, you know, I just prayed about this yesterday, but I feel sad. I just, I don't feel like the Lord's going to, you know, and, and see, you're basically, you're robbing yourself of that blessing. And, and, and I've been hammering this point home, con, you know, on virtually every show now for about Five shows back to back, but then the Lord, uh, as he often does for me, because he knows I need it, I'm impetuous, and I get all nervous, and I pace the floor, and I'm like, oh, you know, am I saying the right thing? What am I doing wrong? Father, please correct my course, please, Father, in the name of Jesus, you know, because I'm insecure, you know, I I admit it. I think a lot of us are insecure in our walk, and, um, you know, and we want to be secure in our walk, but at the same time, the minefield that Satan and and these demonic entities that have certainly pierce some sort of a realm veil or something i don't know but the the devil you know god has definitely lifted his hand of protection to some degree off of this planet there is no doubt about it because the things that we see happening across the world are bar none of uh, many 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 times a magnitude more serious and more um uh, comprehensive uh, and more diverse in other words it's all over the world it's not just here and there it's not just this country and that country it's you know you can pretty much just about i would love to see i know that there's one out there at least there used to be but a lot of times they they start out to be free and then they 
charge you for it later. Um, uh, but I need to go back out and hunt around and see if I can find uh, a map of the world of where, you know, that maps out civil unrest. Okay. I, I, Somebody had sent me one a ways back, and I knew it belonged to some sort of a bigger consortium and that they did officially charge for professional use, and it was big dollars too. But I, I, I'm hoping that there might be a free one out there that I can stumble across again, uh, just a, a global map. I want a world map with coloration used as like a heat map so that I can see th- the degree of the, you know, just like you can do with earthquakes and other disturbances and stuff. I'd like to see civil unrest okay happening across the world because really right now the civil unrest stuff is is it, it's like on page 37 of the newspaper you know metaphorically speaking or analogously speaking or whatever but anyway um so the confirmation that i got from the lord that was and i mentioned this with, with great fervor okay on friday talked quite a bit about it uh because it was huge well, you know, it's one thing to go off on a tangent and say, get, you know, we need to be praising God that we're on the boat. We need to be helping other people to get on the boat and use the War of the Worlds thing and then have the World War of the Worlds preview come up and just like jump in your face on the exact same, uh, uh, you know, uh, scene. I mean, the odds of that are like one in 50 quadrillion. OK, and then and then and then in, in concert, in continuity with that entire message and experiential message, because it was actually happening to me in real time. Which is it makes it a testimony, and a testimony is far more powerful than just preaching and teaching in the sense that you are giving a an accurate account of something that happened to you that was absolutely mathematically impossible to happen, and you know providing that people believe your testimony, uh, then you know it, it is it, it's like real world, you know what I mean? It's not somebody's interpretation of a particular types and shadows in the scripture or whatever the case is, which may have some margin of error in it depending on you know whatever but i'm just saying that when when you're when somebody's saying hey i was healed of leukemia you know i was healed of parkinson's disease i jumped out of the wheelchair i could feel my whole body on fire hallelujah thank you jesus i couldn't see and now i can see praise god that's exciting that's real exciting so whenever we have testimonies those testimonies are given to us as a gift from god and it's our job. We really, it is truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, woe unto the Christian who has a wonderful testimony that doesn't feel tremendously desirous in their heart to share it with everyone they possibly can. Because you never know when that testimony is going to reach somebody. And it's going to be exactly what they needed to hear. And, you know, and I praise God for Sister Terry joining us tonight because that happens every single time. Uh, uh, She brings one of her Jesus anointed messages on these programs because it touches somebody. There's always someone or a collection of somebodies out there. Some are more shy than others. Some come forward with emails, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. And we know we we know if we only get a handful of people that say, glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. That's exactly what I needed to hear. There's also another two or three hundred people out there that had the same epiphany, but didn't write the email. And we understand how that works. Okay, praise God. All right. But anyway, yeah, this was from Thursday, May the 12th from Wings of Prophecy. It's tests, tests and more tests. My children are being tested and refined. All I can say is a hearty amen to that. As a matter of fact, over the last four years, uh, but it has been, you know, the intensity of the tests have has dwindled down so that wasn't so 
horribly impactful. Thank you, Jesus. But nevertheless, the tests, they never stop. The tests, they never stop. Just about the time you think you're going to get a break. Wrong answer. <laughs> you're not. You're not going to get a break. Okay, praise God. And that's just kind of how it goes. All right. So, um, uh, and so I know that my tests are probably just beginning. Um, but I'm, and temporarily maybe, I would love to see that it's permanent. I think that might be a little presumptuous. Uh, I was talking to my sister, just a, one of, you know, not the one that's mad at me right now, because I dared to, you know, say, mentioned the russia stuff she didn't like that she wants russia to be the boogeyman and the evil one and i'm sure she's going i'm sure her church is just blambasting russia and buying off on the mainstream media blah 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 blah. but that's why we have these programs hallelujah somebody out there's got to tell the other side of the story but anyway and then map it back to the bible because when you're blinded with uh you know a predisposition and you're you know you're a church pastor or a preacher and churchianity you know evangelical churchianity here in the United States of Babylon the Great, especially, and of course Europe and every well, really, it's pretty much all over the world now. Um, then you know you're you, you, you're not going to be able to see. You won't be able to receive it. All you're going to see is that talking head, that CIA shape shifting reptilian, uh, you know, in in front of you, going blah 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 blah, and then your church pastor's watching the same blah 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 blah, and then he comes up and he starts jumping around saying this that, and it's all in, it's inaccurate, it's wrong, it's flat out wrong, and 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 they're never going to see that it's actually the revealing of the second seal. They're never going to see that the Red Horse is the Red Army. They're never going to see – they're not going to remember the Jack Van Impey album that I have sitting across from the, in the Golden J.I.B. studios here. Okay, the one that I listened to when I was 10 years old in 1972 on my, uh, on my uh, Pioneer SX360 or 3-something. I don't remember. Uh, but, you know, anyway. Uh, but test, test, and more test. My children are being tested and refined. Amen. My children are weary. <laughs> yeah. And disappointed from many of these trials, but they are necessary. <sighs> My children, be patient as you walk out these tests that you're in. For your reactions, listen very carefully, because I really believe that this was highly anointed word directly from the throne room of God. I believe it with all my heart. Because it nailed it. It nailed it too perfectly. There was no variation from an intended meaning of a particular scripture. It was just absolutely a home run. Amen. My children, be patient as you walk out these tests for your reactions. Please embrace that word because that word is critical. Okay? Your reaction includes how you feel in your heart, whether or not you're happy, joyful, or sad, whether or not, you know, if you're sad, if you prayed for something and you're continuing to pray for things, uh, dear Heavenly Father, this, that, and I need this, that, and the other thing. Dear Heavenly Father, I need this, that, you know, you're, you're the Luke 18 widow. You will not stop. You keep on going. You continue to pray. You will never give up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And you believe that you're going to receive it, then you're going to have joy in your heart. And if you don't have joy in your heart, then you're suffering from unbelief. At that point, you're robbed of your prayer. Your gift of the prayer, has it, you forfeited it. 
because Satan is in the throne room pointing his finger down at you and saying, look, he or she doesn't even believe in their own. They don't even have faith that you're going to do what, you asked them, what they asked you to do for them. They, unbelief, unbelief. So we've got to grasp that problem because it is a problem. We've got to take full control of that problem and turn it into, we've got to flip it around. Okay, oh, here comes that feeling again. Oh, no, I'm feeling, oh, I can't believe it, not again. Oops. Now you're an Israelite in the desert. Right? Again and again, they tempted God and limited Holy One of Israel. Limited God! can't do it. You can choose to do it. You can go ahead and let yourself be sucked. Oh, it, oh, I can't help it. It's just so awful. Oh, my gosh. Lord. If that's okay, I'm just letting you know. Experientially, in my testimony, now, I'm not hoping not, you know, I, I was saying to my sister, I was saying to my sister just a few minutes ago, I said, listen, it, you know, it's going to depend on your test, too. How far down does the Lord need to tear, tear you down? And, and that depends on what's, what, what's going on in your heart. Because the stuff that's buried deep inside of your heart, you can have the smiliest, happiest, go-luckiest, Jesus-y face in the whole wide world. That ain't where your heart's at. Then you're missing. You've got to be in joy and praise and believe and know. And that's where things will start to change. But like I was saying to my sister, you know, there are different kinds of tests. You know, so like the, the example I used for her, as I said, you know, the test that you're going through right now might not be as bad as the test that Chuck's going through because Chuck's standing on a boat that has a big hole in it on a lake of molten lava. And that's a little bit harder to go through than what you're going through. And see, so I'm I'm like kind of concerned for myself and I, I you know, because I don't want to mess it up. But I know that if I'm falling into the molten lava, I'm, you know, the worse the test is, the bigger the test is, of course, the bigger the prize is, because the more that you have been refined and learned through it and been brought to a new place and be, you know, uh, made into new wineskins to hold the new wine when the true outpouring of the Holy Spirit eventually hits, which could be for years from now. So in the meantime, we need to continue with our sanctification process, and you need to get the changes in your life that we're going to bring forth these miracles in your life. You will start to see answers to your prayers. You will start to see changes take place in your attitude, your feeling, your joyfulness. Everything will start to change. Miracles will start to happen, and you will be like, wow, this is amazing, and you won't want it to stop. And I don't. And it even says here, my children, be patient as you walk through these tests that you're in, for your reactions, even the hidden ones, the ones deep down inside, even your reactions to them helps determine whether you will be left behind in the terrifying times to come or whether you will qualify for an early release Earth's struggles. Your trials are not without purpose, my precious ones. If you fail a test, I will give you an opportunity to retake it. I am making you ready. 
Praise God. Now, that's absolutely a plus, 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 Ralphie. Hallelujah. All right. And, and, and we, we need to embrace this and, and treat it like a challenge. I'm just going to leave it out there like that. Treat it like a challenge that has eternal ramifications on your life and your eternity. The first people that are part of the first fruits, first watch, barley harvest that are taken off this planet are going to be the most highly rewarded of those for all of eternity. And I'm hoping beyond hope, I certainly don't feel like I'm, you know, but I'm just hoping that all of us, I want every single person that listens to this program to be able to feel the stuff that I have gone through to empathic, you know, empathically be able to absorb it like a sponge and you go when I, and then when I have a, a victory, even if it's a small one, I want to through testimony, I want to be able to share it with you so that you can go, wait a minute, that's what I need. I need that too. But you see, it's not something that comes miraculously from heaven. It comes because you have made a choice. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's nothing about Jesus doing it for you there. You've got to grab it. You've got to take it. You've got to say, this is positive. My God is bigger than any of this, and I praise you, Father. And if you're concerned about what the maybe outcome might be, because your life, like mine, is full of all kinds of catastrophes that never happened. But... If you're on your knees praying fervently that it won't happen, that's perfectly fine. You want to send out a fleece and ask other people to pray with you? That's awesome. That's exactly what you ought to do. But from that moment forward, you start praising and you mean it with all of your heart. You don't let the devil rob you of that gift because it's coming. And it might not come. Again, it might not come packaged exactly as you think it ought to come packaged. And you might have to be extra, extra long-suffering, extra, extra uh, tolerant and, and patient and all that kind of stuff to wait to be able to, to, to experience the glory of the realization of that which you were praying for. But you got to keep praising God, and you got to mean it with all of your heart, because the whole journey takes a shift then. Your whole journey of sanctification, your whole – I'm in a place right now. I saw myself heading for this place. I knew I was heading for this place, and that place is I've got no choice. And that's a good place to be. When you're finally at a place where your situation is so dagnabbit dorked up that you don't have any place to turn but Jesus, it becomes a absolute blessing. Because you know what? We, we joke ourselves in our heads of thinking that we have some sort of control all over, all over our lives. We pre, you know, but we're admonished in the scripture to not even proclaim that we're going to have a tomorrow. And, that, and when we say, you know, even when I close the prayer vigil, is it totally scriptural, you know, Lord willing, we don't know. There's even an old uh, a witticism, you know, that people say sometimes tongue in cheek, you know, uh, uh, God, our man plans and God laughs. Now, it sounds kind of cruel, it, depending on your viewpoint, but it makes a very strong point. And that point is, we get bees in our bonnet, jumping around, thinking this and bad thing and this calamity and that. And yes, fair enough, pray. By all means, never stop praying. Throw out the fleeces. We should all be praying for one another. The key to receiving the prayer is whether you believe it. And if you believe it, 
then you're happy. Even if it takes a while, you, you're going to be praising God. Praise you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. So anyway, I wanted to beat that drum once again because I honestly believe from the very bottom of my heart that if it wasn't for this, uh, you know, uh, revelation uh, that the Lord poured out on my heart and I started to put into practice. Now, I'd already been putting a lot of that kind of that sort of that kind of stuff in practice uh, to some degree. But it wasn't until I really, truly started praising God, knowing that he was going to take care of me. And I believed it. And and then I was like, fine with it. And the other thing is that helped me. Maybe it'll help you, too. You really got to get you got this is hard. I get it. I know it's hard. But for me, it was beyond critical. There, there isn't a word. There really isn't. Stu- supremely critical. And that was, you know, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. Let me tell you something. You know, that may be just a song that, you know, Gaither whatever revival sings and you like or whatever, but I'm here to tell you that is a fact. You have got to absolutely wrestle, grab, snatch all the fiery darts that are associated with tomorrow and just rebuke them in the name of Jesus and cast them into the pit. In Jesus' name, fire of God burn you and to vaporize those those spiritual and earthly weapons in the name of Jesus. Tear them up. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. You got enough today, and today needs to be full of what? Praise. Hallelujah. Right, kids? All right. Hallelujah, kids. Are you ready for, uh, you know, just a snicker or two? Uh, Very good. Very good. All right. Well, kids, why did the bird go to the hospital? Little birdie. Why did it have to go to the hospital? Because it needed tweetment. (laughs) A little bird tweeting. Okay. All right, I'll take it. I'll take that as a win. Put a W in the uh, in the made the kids laugh column. Hallelujah. Okay, easy guys, easy. Uh, no ice cream for you tonight. Uh, you know, I could, uh, okay, you can maybe you can have. I don't know, Spanky. Can they have ice cream? Okay, well, I guess you got that taken care of there. All right, praise Jesus. All right, next one up. What did the big flower say to the little flower? You're really growing, bud. (laughs) You know, the little flower's name was Bud. You get it, don't you? All right. Very cool. Praise God. All right, next one up. What's a baby chick's favorite plant? What's a baby chick's favorite plant? An eggplant. (laughs) Wouldn't it be yours if you were a baby chick? All right, I'll take... Three, uh, three, uh, I don't know, it's a bunch, and I'll just take them as, I'll grab my W, my three W's in the W column and run for it. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's go ahead and go into the news. I don't think there'll be any really astonishing surprises, given all the creepy, weird, ugly end time stuff that we have going on around us. Praise God. But nevertheless, we want to stay on the edge of our seats. Glory to Jesus. Next is the news. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Okay, so speaking in terms, once again, uh, in, in, you know, in, in the context of uh, a testimony, uh, a lot of times when I'm going through these various things that I go through in my life, which oftentimes, you know, you look back on them and you're like, whoa, ho, 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 that was a supernatural thing. Of course, when you're going through it and you got a quarry truck backing up over your head, you know, that <laughs> don't feel like it. But anyway, praise God. So um, uh, it, when, when I'm going through these things and I'm sharing my testimonies with folks on the program, then oftentimes the testimony of another individual or listener um, will bubble up and they'll share it with me. And that's what this is. Okay. And I read it and said, wow, talk about once again, hitting the ball out of the park. Okay. Praise you, Jesus. So, um, uh, you know, so in this particular case, uh, sister Nancy, who's, who's also gone through her own trials and tribulations, like many of us are, uh, her own refiner's fire, uh, granted, uh, hers, you know, it just depends, but there are times when, you know, certain ones seem like they're worse, far worse than others. Um, but, um, but it's all for the betterment of us it's, because we're not from here. You know, we get all, we all, we, anything that is earthly, anything that is earthly, we really have to grow up past that. We got to become the royal priesthood, the holy, you know, the, the, the chosen generation, uh, his own special people called out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, First Peter 2, 9. We've got to become that. We've got to raise ourselves up. We've got to, with the help and the prayer of the saints, with the prayers of our own, with our praise, 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 thank you, Jesus, for taking me to the next level and never giving up, never giving up and pushing through, pushing through, pushing through, grabbing it. That's negative. I don't like negative. I'm not going to think about tomorrow. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. And, you, and when you when you grab it and you take control of it with the help of Jesus, with the help of the power of your prayers, with the help of angels that you cannot see, with the help of, uh, of the power of prayers from other people that are praying for you, all of this fits into it, but it is an act of joy and glory because you are going to receive it. Don't slip up and do not, uh, don't limit God. All right, praise God. So anyway, so this one came in from uh, a listener of the program without getting into too many details. This turns out that this is from the Smith Wigglesworth uh, devotional book for May the 14th. Let me show you. Now, now, do you think this is a coincidence? Hey, it's up to you. You make up your own decisions. Kids, do you think this is a coincidence or not? Huh? No, you don't think it is, do you? Okay. All right. Amen. All right, so May 14th in uh, Smith Wigglesworth's uh, little subtitle is Persecution After Baptism. All right, and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, he, I'm just going to read it. I, I could comment around it, but I'm, I, I don't, there's no point. Let me just read this because it's, it hits the ball right out of the park once again on the same subject. 
People are now. Remember, this was written a really long time ago, and there are. Wow, I don't even know how many of these entries are in that book. That is a big, thick book. So when you consider all of that and the perfect timing and the actual date, which was yesterday, uh, that would make it one day after the prayer vigil testimony. And then this comes in. That's pretty unlikely, mathematically speaking, because I went to the very next one, and it was nothing of the sort. No relationship whatsoever. So anyway, uh, I'll read this to you. Quote, people were scattered and persecution had come. God knows, I say it reverently, that we never make progress when life is easy. Oh, and by the way, if you know lots of believers out there or, you know, so-called believers and churchianity, churchies, and they're getting along and everything's doing just fine for them, praise God, but... The question is, is Smith hitting the ball out of the park here, and then do you need to question your walk? Because, again, it says that we never make progress when life is easy. You may settle down in your ease and miss the great plan of God. Whoa. How's that going to affect your eternity? Many are called, few are chosen. But I went to church. I was still praising God. I did all these things. But, you know, that I would be very concerned. I, I am uplifted. I am glad that I've had to go through what I've had to go through, even though going through it was horrible. And I'm definitely not arrived. I've still got a few things i got to work on, and I, I don't even know if I'll get over. I don't know. None of us know. It's a journey. Okay? But I don't want to miss. Not after all this. No way. Okay? Do you? Nobody listening to this program that has any inkling of the stuff that the Lord has revealed to us over these years, praise Jesus, should be wanting to stay. If you are, then you don't know what you're volunteering for. Even the Bible tells us. I, I don't. I had, I'd have to go do a word study on the day of the Lord. But if you do a word study on the day of the Lord, I think it's. In, it might be in Ecclesiastes. Might, I don't know where it is exactly, but it's. Uh, it, it basically basically says, you know, in so many words, you know, you're, you're you're not in your right mind if you think you're going to want to be here for the day of the Lord. Which essentially is what the vast majority of the Christians out there are saying when they're on YouTube going, the missiles come down and and we go up. Well, if that's the case for you, my fellow brother and sister, then what you are doing is you're shooting for the final harvest, the wheat harvest, and the vast majority of Christianity isn't even going to be alive. There's going to be so many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions, yay, billions dead after that meteor hits off the coast of Puerto Rico and the entire earth shakes viciously. But, I mean, worse than any 10.1. I wonder. I don't even know it. It just The Bible just calls it a great earthquake, but you have to imagine it's going to, I mean, and then look at Isaiah 24. I mean, my gosh. Hallelujah. So anyway, um, it goes on to say, and I quote, a man may be saved for many years without knowing much about persecution. That's a true story. A man may be sanctified for many years without knowing much about persecution. Go Smith, man. Tell you what, when Smith hits it, he hits it hard, and it, that ball disappears. Then he goes on to say, 
But it is impossible to be baptized in the Holy Spirit without entering into persecution. Now, this is this is um, Smith's position. Smith, one of the things that you will note, and I'm not saying good, bad, ugly, indifferent. It doesn't matter. It just gives him a different flavor to his journey, which he imparts upon those who read his work, which is always written by other people. Uh, he never wrote any of this stuff. Other people wrote it for him. Now, the big turning point in Smith Wigglesworth's life was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He traveled all the way in horse and buggy across the entire uh, you know, uh, United Kingdom, uh, England, uh, because he heard about it. But he had already been doing wonderful things for the Lord and working at, you know, and, and d- divine healing and everything before it. But he said when after he, he hunted it down, he heard about it. He said, if that's going on over there, by golly, I'm heading that way. And he went over with one thing in mind, and that was receive the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and every other gift that came along with it. And he said that was the biggest change that, that, that could, that, you know, it was just, it was like the... Uh, I guess you can't put it into words. I mean, to him, it was everything, which ought to probably be true for all of us, right? But anyway, he goes, he says, the disciples had a wonderful time when they were with Jesus. They had no persecution, but there was one in the midst of them whom the people of Nazareth tried to throw over the, you know, the brow of the hill. See Luke four sixteen through 30. So in this in this case, Smith is separating out the comparative easier walk that the, that the apostles had, okay, uh, as compared to what Jesus himself was going through at the time. All right, which is it? That's an interesting comparison because it is accurate. And then he goes on to say, "Let us see that whatever happens, there is no harsh judgment in us, no bitterness." So what Smith's really saying here is when you're going through those tests, those trials, those tribulations, those difficulties, this is a direct comparison back to that prophetic word I just read, okay, where it said, uh, where the key word that I called out was your reaction, all right? Okay, so again, Smith says, let us see that whatever happens, no matter what happens to you, There is no harsh judgment in us and no bitterness. That would be inclusive of feeling sorry for yourself. That would be a type of bitterness, sadness. You know, it's all part of that whole concept of watching how we feel deep down inside about the things we're going through. Do we take joy from it? Are we really believing our prayers. We have to. We need to. We got to have that joy. And that's when the miracles start to flow. That's when you're going to start seeing responses to your prayers more than anything. Some quicker than others, and some might drag on for a long time. or You may never see them until you're in heaven. But he goes on to say, he says, um, he says, um, we have been quickened, brought into and changed a new authority, incorruptible in the corruptible. We must see that we have divine life where death was, love where hatred was, the power of God reigning in us as humans, the Lord shining the light of his countenance on us right in the midst of death, and life 
breaking forth like rivers in the desert. That's a pretty good attitude adjustment, if you ask me. And he goes on to say, the days will come when your ministry and your own... Now listen, he's talking to the individual here. He is not preaching to preachers. Your ministry, your prayer ministry, your time on the earth, the things that you're doing, your talents and rewards. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The days will come when your ministry and your own life will be tested on all lines. Now, when I look over this stuff that happened to me since 2018... I'm like, oh, my. If I got more coming, which I kind of figure I do, I might have some whoppers. You know, because the bar will get raised. That's the thing. You know, God isn't going to stop refining you. He's not going to stop refining you. The Lord God tests the righteous, says the Bible. The days will come when your ministry and your own life will be tested on all lines. If you can get beyond your nature, uh-oh, raising my hand, guilty as charged, impetuous Johnny has trouble with self-control. Point the finger at me. Where's my gigantic light coming down from heaven? Oh, <laughs> because it is me. But there it is, beyond your natural line of thought. Hello? Is this mic on? Is this mic on? See, this is, the, this is the key. Beyond yourself into a plane of almighty provision for you in the flesh. In other words, you believe you're going to receive. And then you're joyful. You are, this is a quote, quickened by the Spirit. Then you will survive. It will be as the Word of God says, having done all. To stand, Ephesians 6.13, hallelujah. And then the, pers- the author of this uh, uh, devotional added, thought for the day, when the trial is on, when everything comes to a point where it seems it is the last strand in the rope, then the Lord will very mightily bring you into a land of plenty. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So I thought that was, well, um, very, very supernaturally in alignment and utter harmony and synergy with the tests, tests, and more tests uh, from Wings of Prophecy. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next up. Praise Jesus. Here we go. The biggest crash in history is coming, question mark. Uh, And again, uh, you know, uh, Kiyosaki says so. Uh, And I'll just read a little snippet of this article. Robert Kiyosaki recently tweeted, the best time to prepare for a crash is before the crash. The biggest crash in the world in, in, in the world's history is coming, according to this man. The good news is the best time to get rich is during a crash. Um. Unless it's the third seal. <laughs> they always leave that out. The bad news is the next crash will be a long one. 
Is Kiyosaki being hyper, uh, hi- hyperbolic or should investors prepare for the worst? What do you think? Well, when I see what's going on over in Europe right now and I look at my second seal and the, what my Bible says and I see all the stuff that's happening and the burning down of, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, the culling of poultry, the burning down of food factories and all the other stuff that's going on out there. Oh, my goodness. I don't see it turning. I don't see anything turning around. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Breitbart. Pediatricians warn against homemade formula. Discuss alternatives as the shortages sweep the nation. Has anybody noticed? I have. Satan is Satan is Satan. And he's just as evil and stench, stinking, evil, seething filth as he's always been. And I hate his guts. Now, that being said, I'm allowed to hate his guts. And if I, you know, then, you know, I even have a, I even have a genuine serial numbered Louisville slugger with his name written on it behind me. And I mean it too. And he knows I mean it, which is one of the reasons why I've probably gone through a lot of this stuff that I've gone through, but praise God for it all. But have you noticed that the impact of the global crisis, the shipping lanes, the uh, hyperinflation, uh, you can blame it on whatever you want. At the end of the day, isn't it fascinating that it's hitting our pets and our babies first? Wow. Okay, so that's all I got to say. Wow. Wow. Boy, we need more faith than we've ever had before. Thank you, Jesus, which goes in perfect and perfect harmony with what the Lord's been revealing. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Now we got to put it into action. Put it into action. Next one up. World Net Daily reports, the left is unhinged. Fisher Price unveils drag queen toy set. Well, okay, now I could read you all about it and, you know, this, that, and the other thing, pop culture, this, TV show, that, and you know what? And I don't perverted. It's upside down. Anyway, so the next one that's right in line with that is, once again, WorldNet Daily. Child Protective Services promotes Drag Queen Storytime, drag show for Kitty Corner. Pride promoters in Illinois have moved far beyond promoting alternative sexual lifestyle choices to adults now with a Kitty Corner announced for an upcoming Pride celebration that will feature affirming books, drag queen story times, and face painting with the family-friendly drag show. These are the same people that will come into your house and take your kid away because you dared to punish them for doing something bad. You know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Oh, man, I mean, it's like, oh, boy. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Ha-ha! Next one up. Texas power grid operator urges customers to conserve electricity after, listen to this, six power plants go offline. Six. Now look at your look at your clock. Look look at your calendar. May fifteenth. Six power plants went offline in Texas. It's May. Remember, you know, April showers bring May flowers. Not anymore. 
<laughs> April showers cause power plants to go offline. Oh, my gosh. And it's going to get worse. It's going to get a lot worse. And we've been predicting that now for I don't even know how many years, but it's been <laughs> true. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. World Net Daily also reports international insecurity, food riots in Sri Lanka turned deadly. So if, you, if it's happening in Sri Lanka, where else is it happening? Where are all the food riots across the entire world? Listen, when people can't get food, they're going to go violent. Watch out. And by the way, those choppers can see through your roof. They can look at heat signatures. They can see your food stockpile. You think that they're going to – anti-hoarding laws. And once the, the power goes out, you know, you're sitting there going, oh, I'm okay. I got myself a Generac generator. Man, that is like a mating call to hungry people with big guns. Okay? Yeah. Power of prayer is where it's at. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Alabama trans teens and families celebrate legal win, but we will never stop fighting. <laughs> this stuff is just, uh, it's, it's, they're, Persecution against the churches, painting all kinds of foul language on the outside. The churches all over the Babylon and uh, just all over the world. It's just and it's just the beginning, folks. Buckle up, buckle up. Start praising, praise, 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 praise. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah! Praise God! All right, next one up. Iraq's price raised crops threatened by the drought. Now I'm just sharing these with you because these are little teeny weeny tidbits of news headlines from around the world all saying the same thing, which is that the Olivet Discourse is in full swing, which, by the way, overlays the seals period and also segues in the period of sorrows. Okay, amen? All right, now let's keep on going. All right, asthmatics, people who have asthma in the United Kingdom are torn between buying inhalers and their heating bills. I shall say no more. Next one up. European gas prices forecast to triple what they were. The perfect winter storm may be forming in Europe as the continent seeks to limit Russian gas flows. Analyst at Rystad Energy said in a press release this week. Hey, never mind that Gazprom basically cut off their flows right there in the Ukraine. The situation is really bad. And then you've got Austria, who's like ready to like commandeer uh, uh, liquefied uh, LNG gas uh, uh, facilities uh, because they're like, we're not going without. So we're going to have to see how this all shakes out. I, I for one, don't want to see anybody freezing this winter. But if this stuff keeps getting worse and worse and worse... Europe is in going to be in a really bad place, uh, and I don't know how bad it's going to hit this, you know, Babylon the Great. I have no idea. But anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. United Kingdom waged black propaganda campaign against the USSR in China, declassified docs. London for decades sought to drive a wedge between Moscow, Beijing, and the Arab world and Africa through fake news, according to this researcher, which, by the way, happens to come from the British Intelligence Office, uh, and he refers to it as black propaganda, which, by the way, by now, for all of us, it should be a... You're good. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. All right, amen. Next headline up. 
Ten dead in Buffalo supermarket attack. Police call it a hate crime. And boy, are they just, you know, doing what they do. Uh, And this was awful. Buffalo's a sleepy little town. You know, it's just, anyway, uh, a lot of these things happen in sleepy little towns. I guess it doesn't really matter. It's just horrible. But we're going to see more of that as well. Fritz Springmeier did a fabulous job writing a book, uh, How to Create a Mind Control Slave or something like that. Uh, And uh, look it up. It's free. It's out on the Internet. And he is correct. All right. Next one up. Buffalo Shooters Manifest has a Nazi symbol previously used by... Yes, you've guessed it. The Azov Battalion, the Nazis that are over there working in the government and in the military in the Ukraine, which we are so hungry to arm with billions of dollars of weaponry. But that's, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Then you can be like like, like my sister and hang up with the phone on me. Next one up. Serbia will fight sanctions and pressure, according to this person, V-U-C-I-C, however you pronounce that. Anyway, Belgrade will stick to its policy of not imposing restrictions on Moscow, according to Aleksandar Vukic. Okay, and, and again, it's just more of the same thing. Thank you, Jesus. Another headline. Finland is officially deciding to apply for NATO membership. Now, I'm not going to get into all of the the Warsaw Pact and the Warsaw Accords where Russia had signed agreements back post-World War II with all of these countries. And they, you know, solemnly swore that they would not join NATO because it bordered on Russia and all that stuff is just like if anybody even knows or remembers it. Okay, so anyway, we've been talking about this for literally for years. Matter of fact, we've been talking about this all the way back to like 2015. The ever-increasing NATO threat to the Russian border with what they call defensive weapons but can be flipped over to nuclear offensive weapons easily. Okay, So Russia's got every reason to be fuming, and this has been going on even before Crimea and everything. All right. Well, let me think. Right about the time. But anyway, thank you, Jesus. Next one up. AP Newswire reports Turkey's leader opposes letting Finland and Sweden join NATO. You think he knows something? Yup. Next one up. Hallelujah. AP Newswire again. Abortion rights backers rally in anger over the post-Roe future. And boy, you should see this gathering outside the, well, Washington monument that has... 666 feet of concrete underground. But you know, I'm sure that's just a coincidence. And we won't get into the occult meaning of an obelisk. Let's skip right over that. Particularly because it's surrounded by bazillions of people that support what? Okay. Next up. Worldwide food security at risk. India, the world's second largest producer of wheat bans wheat exports. Kids, no more cream of wheat for you. Yeah. It's it's happening everywhere. It's happening everywhere. You think you think that this program covers what what do you think the percentage is? One percent, two percent? If it if we're covering one or two percent of these types of reports means that there's for every two that we report there's another nine that we didn't. 
going on all over the world. The Epic Times reports something rotten with the NIH funding CCP-controlled labs, according to this particular uh, journalist named Natalie Winters. And I'm I'm sorry, I got to hit the proverbial thank you, Captain. You're good. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. Another one up. Jerusalem Post reports catastrophe looms for the Dead Sea as incoming water sources dry up, according to scientists. This has been going on for years because it goes side by side with the Los Angeles Times report, which says as drought crisis deepens, government will release less and less water from the Colorado River Reservoir. The western part of this country is in very, very, very bad shape. I'm just going to leave it at that, because you could do an hour-long show on just that topic alone. Next one up. Under the Times News reports, Russia to halt electricity exports to Finland over failure to pay without giving a reason. Oh, gee, I wonder if it has something to do with their desire to join NATO after having promised in the Warsaw Pact that they wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. Or not. Who knows? Next one up. Independent, the Independent out of the U.K. says, North Korea has reported 21 new deaths and 174,440 more people with fever symptoms. So evidently they're hit, getting hit by COVID. The question is, what version is it? And is it going to leak out and cause another attack wave, some other strange? Because the last thing we need is another. I don't know. But then we know that there are other ones coming. After all, the satanic representatives, uh, right from the board of directors of Satan's Roundtable at the House of Windsor, have come forth and told us exactly what they're going to do. George Soros, Bill Gates, and all of those creepy, shape-shifting entities. Well, I mean, after all, since they're the ones pulling the trigger, Shouldn't we listen to what it is they say they're going to be doing to us? Next up, hallelujah. The Epic Times, Russian lawmaker says Poland is next in line for denazification. Really? Wow. Boy, that's starting to sound more and more like Jack Van Impey's War with Russia album that I listened to in 72 is like nailed it. And by the way, yes, the Nazi, Nazi problem that exists in the Ukraine to some very infinitesimally small amount less is pervasive all throughout Poland as well. I brought that up on a Telegram channel, and the first person who read it was like, that's not true. I'm from Poland. And then the other eight people that responded said, I'm from Poland too, and it is true. (laughs) So anyway, next one up. Germany alarmed at the number of pro-Hitler security personnel. A German government investigation has revealed that more than 300 members of the country's security agencies have links to right-wing extremism, including officers who were found to have joined in Heil Hitler chants and Nazi salutes. Hmm. Looks like Russia's going to be busy working on Europe for a real long time. Next one up. Washington Post reports Biden sees a new threat. It is the... Ultra-MAGA Republicans. Oh, no. Oh, no, the ultra-MAGAs. They're all around us. I'm very nervous. They could...
I an ultra maga? Are you an ultra maga? I feel the need for a song. I should make an ultra maga song. Here a maga, there a maga, everywhere a maga maga. Next one up, Biden's Holomador or Holodomor, yeah, Holod, whatever policies to hurt Ukrainians, Americans, and will backfire on the whole world, according to this particular journalist. Right. Okay. Anybody who doesn't realize that these sanctions on Russia are designed to bring down the petrodollar and to usher us directly into the smack dab in the middle of the period of sorrows, in the middle of World War III, uh, in the middle of Revelation chapter 6, is missing the whole point. Hallelujah. Next one up. AG, Attorney General Secretary, 61,670 farm families are on the brink of losing it all. But shape-shifting President Biden, along with those who stick needles of Ritalin in his arm so that he's able to speak coherently for at least 10 or 15 seconds before he turns around and shakes hands with the air in front of the entire world, humiliating the country, plans to visit a family in a farm in Kankakee, Illinois today with the Agricultural Secretary Tom Vilsack. That's going to help. Another headline, going home, Georgia breakaway region to vote on joining Russia. More and more of that going on. Asteroid larger than the Empire State Building heading for Earth and to make a very close approach, according to NASA. How close is that? Well, for me, it's never close enough. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up, California to hire water cops, water police to monitor waste amidst the mega drought. Don't, don't, don't. That's pretty scary. And it is. Gazprom stops gas supplies to Poland via the Ukraine. Oh, boy. That ain't going to go over good with Austria because Austria comes out and threatens to seize Russian gas depot. Chancellor Niehammer uh, has called upon Gazprom to refill the storage facility or face consequences. We're going to get really mad and grit our teeth and look really angry at you because you didn't fill them up. What else is Austria going to (laughs) do? Not much, you know. All right, next one up. I'm totally anxious and terrified, this person says. Under an apocalyptic orange sky, largest United States wildfire menaces uh, New Mexico towns with videos and pictures. April showers bring May flowers. As I recall, around about December 15th of last year, California was still on fire. Yeah. Wow. And on that note, praise Jesus. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. Hallelujah. And now let's bring on Sister Terry Hill. Praise Jesus. All right. I've been waiting for this. And here we go. Sister Terry, are you there? I sure am, John. I'm here. Praise God. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You know, I I just uh, always, you have a, 
an amazing gift, well, multiple gifts that all add up to encouragement that we need now today. Man, the Lord definitely has given you a ministry that is his perfect, unbelievable, awesome timing. Because right now, more than ever before, the messages that you've been bringing forward to people are, I mean, it's like a frosty cold glass of ice water to somebody who's been stuck in the Sahara Desert for a week. So God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me, John. And again, it's a privilege. And um, I'm just grateful that God uses uh, cracked, imperfect vessels, but it's all about grace and it's all about him. So with that, to God be the glory. So thanks again for having me on. Oh, amen. Amen. Thank you again. And uh, I'll go ahead and turn the whole program over to you. Um, I'm excited about what the Lord has shared with you. I always am, and I love it. Um, and thank you so much. And uh, I'll step back with my little virtual folding chair and... It's all yours. God bless you. <laughs> Amen. So uh, I have to start off with a, a little riddle because I can't resist. Uh, John mentioned just a few minutes ago he was talking about the April showers and the May flowers. So I have a corny joke, but it makes me laugh. And I tell you what, we need to keep our sense of humor. So here, here's the question that I'm going to pose to you. If April showers brings May flowers, what do Mayflowers bring? And so the answer to that is pilgrims. Yes, I know it's corny, but I tell you what. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, that's exactly part of the topic of my message tonight is that uh, we are pilgrims and we're having a wilderness experience and uh, God is so good to us. Uh, before I share my message, I just um, would like to offer to those who would like prayer, please send me uh, your prayer request. I pray for you. And uh, if you do uh, request show notes, I'm happy to send those to you as well. And you can reach me at a word in due season, 777 at gmail.com. And I'm happy uh to pray as you send those prayer requests in because, beloved, we really do uh, need to be praying for one another. Uh, one of the things that I'm noticing, God is answering prayer quickly. I, I know there are times that we pray uh, maybe for years or decades uh, for unsaved family members, friends, or job situations, uh, relationship issues, but I'm finding God is answering quickly. and. And again, I'm seeing that he really does care about the little things that are a part of our lives every day. So I, I just want to begin and talk about this whole men, mentality of being pilgrims um, because it really helps me. I want to share with you some of the experiences I have. I'm going to try to be really brief. When I was very young in the Lord, I had a um, being raised uh, in a Catholic background, <clears throat> both sides of my family, both my parents were from Catholic backgrounds. And so when my husband and I left the Catholic Church and I had an encounter with Christ, and it really was an encounter, we had left and we were invited to visit the Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, uh, California, Calvary, which where Pastor Chuck Smith was pastor at that time, who now has gone on to be with the Lord. I, I saw uh, what a godly man he was. I, I don't know if any of you have ever attended Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, but 
uh, back in the late 70s and early 80s, I used to look at that man, and, and there was such a joy on his face. I said, man, that's one of the happiest guys I have ever met. And he was humble. Uh, he shared his transparencies, and was he talked about uh, the word of God. But I saw a man there. You know, some of us uh, didn't have uh, daddies that walked with Christ. And, and so I said, well, you know, I'm just going to pretend he's going to be like my spiritual dad. And um, anyway, I just wanted to share that. But I used to... When I was very young in the Lord, um, I started having dreams, and I was never really a dreamer before, but what I found is that there were dreams that uh, were astounding to me. For example, uh, I had dreams of being caught up, and it's interesting, I, I would have dreams that I would be walking along on the earth, and there was a very green place, and all of a sudden, I was caught up into heaven, and I saw what looked like shooting stars. And they formed the shape of a cross. And Pastor Chuck Smith, uh, you know, had been talking about the rapture of the saints that was coming. Now, this was back in, oh, let's see, back in the early 80s. So this was a new concept. But I began to dream the things that I would hear being taught. And as a young believer, uh, you know, I wasn't really sure, could this really be from God? Uh, Another thing that I began having was dreams about UFOs. And I've never been a Trekkie fan. I have never been a sci-fi fan. But I remember as a little girl, my dad used to have the Star Trek series on. And we would watch them. And I didn't really care, but he enjoyed them. And he also worked out at China Lake. And he worked for the Department of the Navy. And, And so there were some things he never talked about. But I can remember as a young Christian hearing this thought go through my mind, beam me up, Scotty. And uh, after having this um, one particular dream where I literally was caught up and I knew, I said, I've left the earth. And then I would wake up and I was back in bed and I was so disappointed because I really thought the rapture had happened. Now, that was, uh, my goodness, 40 years ago, I'm thinking, um, a long, long time ago. But as a pilgrim, you know, if we are basically on a journey, which we are, We are sojourners, we are strangers, we are actually aliens in the earth. Uh, We, in fact, are just enduring a time of testing. So between Egypt, which is a type of the world, okay, and Pharaoh being a type of Satan or the Antichrist, between Egypt and the promised land is what we call the wilderness. And the word of God tells us that Israel's history uh, was recorded for us Uh, by God as an object lesson for the church. So the things that happened to Israel uh, actually are examples for us, and they were written for our instruction uh, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So that's 1 Corinthians 10. But um, the reason I wanted to share with you about dreams and visions is it was not necessarily something that I asked God to show me, but I began to see pictures, and I began to see dreams, and these dreams began to come to pass sometimes over several years, other times uh, within a short period of time. And uh, what I realized is that there are different languages that God speaks to us. He primarily speaks to us through his word. Uh, He speaks to us through that still, small voice. And we've talked about listening to the voice of the Lord. But he most definitely speaks through visions and dreams as well. And I would see flash pictures of something if I was ministering in a particular place, I've ministered at home groups, at, at conventions, and um, different kinds of gatherings and churches and 
many different places over the past 40 years. God has given me that privilege. But what I'm saying is uh, I would see pictures of things. Now, when we are in the wilderness, one of the things that occur in the wilderness, there are something, some things called a mirage, which can be illusions in the wilderness. Now, we are on a journey. Uh, we're traveling through the wilderness, and it can be a pretty hostile environment, right? We all know that. We know that there are uh, different kinds of creatures uh, in the wilderness. In the lower part, uh, there are serpents and scorpions, and there are vultures, okay? So these are symbols of the demonic realm. And in the higher parts, in the mountain areas, uh, there are the wild goats, and uh, Psalm 104 tells us about that. Also, there are lions, leopards, and there are wolves, and these creatures live in dens, and they tend to live uh, in the higher areas. They're also predatory creatures. Now, the, the reason that I mention mirages is because a mirage is an illusion. And if we understand that the enemy comes uh, to deceive, uh, he is a deceiver. He's also a persecutor. So in his shape as a serpent, he's a deceiver and a, and a beguiler. But we read about him in the book of Revelation. He takes on the form of a dragon, which is a symbol, symbolic of the persecutor. So he takes on different forms. And uh, at different levels in our walk, there are different devils that we have to contend with. And so what I am praying for, this is one of the things that I pray specifically for John. He probably doesn't know this. I also pray for the guests that come on. I pray that uh, God would help us not to enter into any kind of deception. And I pray that over myself. And this is why. Because I believe that God is speaking through visions and dreams more and more to everyday little disciples like you and me that are just trying to walk day by day by day. And the enemy is a deceiver. He's a beguiler. And there are many words going out. There are visions and dreams that people share uh, that quite honestly are a mixture and some are just flat off. Now, um, I, I don't claim to know everything, and I absolutely am in the process like everybody else, but one thing I do know, there are some things that I recognize if I begin to see something that uh, I know isn't real. It's being presented as a mirage, but it's illusion, but from a distance, boy, it looks like water, and I, I sense almost in my the core of my stomach it's almost like something hurts in there. It's like a churning. And I, I pray for the people of God and the listeners and the guests that come on, that God would protect every one of us from deception, from being beguiled, from being led astray. And, uh, and so I just pray specifically, uh, as I have to pray over myself all the time, um, uh, you know, we know that we need to pray for one another, beloved, because we're on this journey together. And there's one thing that's constant in our wilderness journey. As we read through the Old Testament, we can see that uh, God's people had all kinds of experiences. But there's one thing that was a constant as they walked through their wilderness journey. Number one, they had that manna, and that manna fell from heaven every day. And we know that this is a picture of Jesus Christ, who is the living manna. And John chapter 6 talks about that. Uh, they had the manna with them every day. And his promise to every one of us is, I will never leave you or forsake you. 
And uh, they also had the word of God. The Ten Commandments were given on the mount. The law was given there. They had his presence, his Shekinah glory, and it was manifested uh, as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And God also gave them some godly leaders. And um, they also had each other. They had companions. So, But above all, they had the Lord Jesus himself, and he was the rock. And he provided for them water in the wilderness. He provided for them manna from heaven. So with this message, um, it, you know, the word mountain was getting stuck in my, uh, it was just kind of lodged. I, I would be reading scripture or I would be having a conversation. I was sitting with my mom, uh, oh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, on her balcony, and she was pointing out the mountains behind the house. And then I would be sitting down and uh, my husband and I would be watching something and a commercial would come on and they were in the mountains. And I kept seeing these mountainous regions. And one day I, I was just sitting and reading the word and Matthew 28:16. it's like it literally jumped off the page and it lodged in my heart. And I, I know that you all know what that means when God speaks to you, he quickens his word. And in Matthew 28:16, what I found is there that Jesus told his disciples to meet him on the mountain. And so about seven, eight years ago, I had done a complete study on mountains in scripture because I sensed there was something the Lord was wanting me to understand. And because I know that if certain things happened and transpired at certain mountains in scripture, that it possibly and probably does have an application for you and for me and for our life. And so I sensed from the Lord that this is, I was impressed to bring this message. They met him on the mountain. Now, in the wilderness journey, there are valleys and there are mountains as well. And um, one of the things that I understand and I know uh, is that in that wilderness journey with God's people, there were times of blessings and there were times of leanness and drought. There were times where they saw the miraculous. They saw God uh, opened the Red Sea up for them. They saw that bitter water was made sweet when a tree was cast into the water. They saw people healed. They saw God miraculously intervene and justify his, um, uh, his own leaders when <clears throat> the rebellious ones like Korah came against Moses. And literally the ground swallowed up and opened up those rebellious ones. So they saw some pretty miraculous events. They saw healings and they saw death. They had victories. They had disappointments. Um, they had seasons of loss, and they had seasons of increase. This is the wilderness journey. This is our time of testing. So glad that um, John spoke about uh, the testing because, boy, oh, boy, this is one of the things that um, I was impressed to write down is about the mountain of testing. And um, I suppose that would be a good place for us to start. We could talk about uh, the mountain of testing. I found many, many examples in scripture. Um, on my handout, on my outline here, I just have 25 listed, and um, it's very possible that I not, may not be able to cover all this tonight. So God willing, we'll pick it up and we'll go step by step because what I'm seeing and beginning to understand, sometimes God puts pieces of the puzzle together, right, beloved? Well, will realize, wow, I had an encounter with the Lord in this test, and he kind of um, showed me that I passed that test, so I won't have to make that, uh, go through that again, right? 
And I'm realizing that I believe it directly relates to the ascended life and also the Psalms of Ascent. And that's actually another message for another time. But what I'm realizing is that there are progressions in the spirit realm. I'm realizing that with these testing that the Lord uh, causes fruitfulness to come into our lives. He takes us up higher in the spirit realm as we focus on his kingdom, as we focus on the Lord Jesus, and as we walk through this dusty realm, this fallen realm with creatures in the low places and creatures in the high places, there's one thing that I know and I can assure you of because his word says so, not because I say so, because his word says so, and that is that he does take us to a mountain called spiritual growth. And during our times of testing, we may not think that anything was really happening because what we're seeing is God is showing us our own heart. Now, he sees things in our heart, but I believe the tests actually are revealing what's in our heart. And he wants us to see those things, not because he wants us to feel bad, not because he's mad at us. No, because we're asking him. And I know that you pray this. I know that I pray this. Father, let me be conformed to the image of your son. Please show me what, where I'm missing the mark. Please help me to overcome and pass my test. And again, he knows everything that's in the heart. The, the word of God is clear. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Well, he knows it. But the new covenant is the creation of a new heart. He said he would create in us a new heart. Praise God. He would write his law and his word on our heart. So with the testing on the mount, uh, we can realize and understand it's not, again, that if we fail a test that God is going to give up on us. He is not going to give up on you, and he's not going to give up on me, beloved. And one of the things I realized as I looked at the mount of testing, and that's in Judges 7-3. I'm not going to go over all these scriptures because there's dozens, and I just literally don't have time. I want to just touch touch on some things that I think may help you. Uh, On this particular place, this was at um, Gilead, and this is when um, Gideon was leading uh, this um, and preparing an army. There are 32,000, and God said, I have to reduce the number. He said, there are still far too many. On the mountain of testing in Judges 7-3, we find that uh, there was a spirit of fear. So their group of warriors had to prevail over the spirit of fear. And this was a test. And and I basically asked the Lord, Father, are you showing me that this is our greatest test that we'll have here? So um, I, I don't know that that is the answer that fear is, but certainly fear is one of the um, most powerful, effective uh, tools of the enemy. Uh, fear, doubt, and unbelief in what God has said and who he is. What we find is in the book of Judges in chapter um, 7 that there was a group of warriors who did prevail over the spirit of fear at Mount Gilead. Now, Gilead means a rocky, dangerous place. So we're going to have to tread through through some places. And, yes, it's dangerous. Yes, there are times we're going to have to be vulnerable. We're going to have to take a step just believing we're being led by the spirit of God. And 
what, he, uh, what I was impressed with this passage in Judges 7 on the mountain of testing is that the courageous ones will not be intimidated by the enemy. And part of the challenge with that is, <clears throat> is when we begin to see the enemy on different levels, on different fronts, whether they be serpents, scorpions, or vultures, okay, whether they be the wild goats. And again, goats in scripture, there are sheep and goats, so we're talking about the nature of two different kinds of cattle, okay. So uh, the wild goats are in the mountains. The lions, the leopards, the wolves uh, are in dens. And again, these are predatory animals. So when we begin to see these things, when they begin to manifest around us through people that we're exposed to, places where we go, either in dreams, in visions, or, or simply by the Spirit of God saying, I'm going to open your eyes and show you what you're dealing with. So the more we begin to see and understand, there's a test there of knowing God would not reveal this if he did not know that the spirit of God within me would give me the ability to prevail. So again, we're not going to be intimidated by the enemy. Beloved, we must understand that one of the places where we encounter the Lord, we begin to see is what I want to call on the mountain of vision. So I just want to read a scripture to you, uh, and this is in Isaiah 40, starting at verse 9, and it says here, Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up and do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And uh, Ezekiel got a glimpse of something. I want to read something to you that he saw because vision and revelation, beloved, is life-changing. It's nice when we hear that someone has an experience and we appreciate uh, the revelation or maybe dreams or something that someone shows our brother and sister. But when it happens to us, it's life-changing. And that becomes like a landmark in our Christian walk. And we, look, we can look back and say, wow, I remember when the Lord showed me that. And I know that I'm talking to people who are visionaries. I know that I'm talking to prophetic people. I know that I'm talking to people who can't wait for Jesus to return But in the meantime, we want to encourage one another. So that's what I want to do. Let me read this to you out of Ezekiel 40, verse 2 to 4. And Ezekiel writes, In the visions of God, he brought me into the land of Israel, and he set me on a very high mountain. And on it to the south, there was the structure like a city. And he brought me there. And he began to uh, describe what he saw. Now, John... uh, had a similar experience on the island of Patmos in Revelation 21.10. Let me read that to you. And John says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And John goes on and on and on about the glimpse of the city of what he saw. Now, one of the things about, um, that I want to share with you about mountains is that in Scripture, they're both literal and symbolic, okay? 
So mountains, for one thing, um, point to uh, kingdoms. They point to men, uh, kingdoms of men and men's governments. They speak of prominence. Uh, and ancient civilizations actually would gather at specific mounts to be near their deity and where they would practice their idolatry. And they wanted to be near these portals where these spiritual manifestations were seen. And, and so mountains also can point to the pride of man. They are symbolic of uh, also of denominations. These are religious kingdoms of Babylon also. Uh, mountains can be symbolic of great difficulties, of obstacles, or that which seems impossible to men. Remember, Jesus talked about speaking to the mountain in Matthew 21, 21. Uh, mountains were often places of idolatrous worship, and God in his goodness and his love for humanity met people right where they were. We see it all through the word of God. So if we understand when God says in his word to come up to me in the mountain, and Jesus told his disciples, meet me on the mountain, what we find in scripture is that activities recorded in the mountains have given God's people some things, okay? Again, they're like landmarks. They're like encounters with God. They are opportunities for divine encounters with Christ. Okay, and it gives us a view from an elevated spiritual perspective because God's word tells us that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Okay, so the book of Ephesians tells us that. And in fact, in the book of Song of Solomon, the bride to look from the top. So you see our glorious king who has triumphed over every obstacle. Okay, in the Song of Solomon 2.8, it says that um, Jesus comes leaping upon the mountains and skipping upon the hills. In other words, the great king who has saved us and has said, I've already seated you together with me in heavenly places. I have justified you. I have forgiven you. I have given you my righteousness. I've given you my power. I've given you my authority. The fact that he comes leaping upon the mountains and skipping upon the hills is telling us that he has triumphed over every obstacle. He has triumphed over every kingdom of men, and he comes from these places victorious. In other words, he's leaping, okay? And in the Song of Solomon, I want to read something to you. This is very cool. I love this. So I want to share it with you. Because if I find something that I think is very cool and encouraging, I want to read it to you. And Song of Solomon 4, 8, <clears throat> this is what he says. He's talking to his bride. He says, come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Okay? Come, may you come with me. This is an invitation to come up higher. Okay? Come down now from the summit of Amana. Okay, now that's another summit. We're talking about a mountainous area. He's saying, I want you to see something that is under you, that is beneath you, and that is beneath me. I want you to see, journey down from the summit of Amana, from the summit of Sinar and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of the leopards. What is he saying? He's saying, I want you to see 
that where I have seated you in heavenly places, you are above this. I am going to show you what these predators, what these enemies are going to try to do even before they do it. Because here's the thing, beloved, if he can give us a divine perspective, if he can show us, uh, I want you to know that I'm going to share with you what I see so you will know how to pray. I'm going to show you what these beasts, what your enemy is planning in their den even before it happens. You know, the Lord sees all things, beloved. He declares the end from the beginning. And Jesus told us that he would send another comforter. He told his disciples, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send a comforter to you. And he will take that which is mine and he will show it to you. So, beloved, he's not going to keep us in the dark. He's going to show us what's coming. He's going to show us how to evade the traps, the plans, the snares, the devices of the enemy that have been set for every one of us. He is going to show us because he wants us to be aware. So when he's, when he's talking to his bride, the fact that he declares that he is absolutely victorious over all of these hills and nations. Now, mountains, again, he sits on the most prominent of all, and that is Mount Zion. We'll talk more about that later but he uh, raises us above the hills. Now, in Scripture, a hill can be symbolic of a smaller nation, okay? So mountains and hills are sort of associated together. These nations are going to come up to the mountain of the Lord, according to Isaiah chapter 2. And um, God's people and himself are going to be teaching the nations. Now, I know that this is coming because God's word talks about it. When Jesus returns, he will establish and set up his kingdom. But in the meantime, he allows us and to go through different trials, testing, and tribulation because he wants to meet with us. Now, for example, uh, Mount Ararat uh, was the mountain that the ark settled on, right? So after a time of upheaval on the earth, we know the ark was prepared. Noah obeyed the Lord. Uh, the animals, the families were in the ark, and God told them, he said, a flood is coming, build an ark. And so, beloved, we understand and we know that the ark is a place of preservation in Christ, right? He carries us, and he lifts us above the destruction, and he brings us to a resting place in the heavenlies. And the um, ark did come to rest on Mount Ararat, so after a great time of upheaval and destruction, we see this place and those who are in Christ will come to rest upon a mount. Praise God. God had the ark prepared, a place of preservation in Christ, and he's going to do it again. We know that the earth will be um, destroyed by fire. We know that God will snatch his people up prior to the wrath of God being poured out. And we know that in the meantime, we're going to be visiting other mountains called, like, for example, the mountain of prayer. Why? Because the warfare never stops, does it? It is continual. We continue to pray without ceasing. We know that as we look at the life of Jesus, he would go up up into the mountain often just to get away, to be alone with his father. He was pouring out. He was giving out. 
He was being led by the Spirit of God. Everything he did, he said, I only do that which I see my father doing. Now, he was a human being. He had emotions. He saw the pain of the people. He had compassion on the multitude. But he had to pull away to that place of prayer, didn't he? Amen. Now, I want to also talk about the mountain of conflict. Um, And we see this in 1 Kings 18. And this was... um, a contest that took place on Mount Carmel uh, with Elijah and the false prophets of Baal. Interestingly enough, um, there were just times, you know, that I had heard the Lord uh, impressing on my heart. He said, you're going to come face to face with these false prophets. And I thought, well, yes, Lord, I, I understand there's error out there. And Yes, Father, please help me be quick. You know how you just have like here a little whisper in your ear, something settles in your heart and you kind of remember it? This actually happened to me last summer. I was doing a conference and um, I was asked um, to be the keynote speaker there. And there was um, a couple that was there that had come to actually promote a book that they had written. Actually, they were promoting all of their books and they had set up a um a big, um, what do you call it? It was, it was like a big table, and it, it clearly was a sign. And I, the Lord said, can you see this, Terry? It was self-promotion. I'm just going to say what it is. They were promoting their stuff. They were marketing. They were selling stuff. Don't misunderstand me. If the Lord says you can sell your books, you can sell your books. But there's a difference when it's like marketing. And when I began to hear them both talking, and they both stood up to say some things, I heard uh, the language of what I knew was New Age, Dominionism, Seven Mountain Theology, and it was error. And um, perhaps the Lord will allow me to talk a little more about that. That's not the subject tonight. But the point that I'm making is, the Lord said, um, because I was a morning session, an afternoon session, he said, I want you to get up right away and deal with it. And you'll do it in such a way, Terry, that the people will not be wounded because I said, Father, you know, the word of God is like a a sharp sword, right? But it's not my intent or my heart to wound anybody. The word of God stands on its own. He said, just give them the word, give them the word, present it. He said, in the sharpness of my word, will divide and the people will see the difference. What I didn't know, I already had in a pamphlet that I had prepared because I do give out um, booklets and pamphlets every time I minister because that's, those are my instructions. Jesus told me to do it. He said, you will never charge for it. Give it out, give it out, and I will meet your needs. So I did that. But after this experience, because I realized I'd been ministering, and all of a sudden I felt in the pit of my stomach, um, how can I say this? It just hurt. And I knew it was the Spirit of God. And we actually had a, a, a little break at that time. I went in and I prayed and I cried out to God. I said, help me to deal with this. Not in the spirit of being mean, but the Lord just said, just give them my word, just present it and do just what I tell you to do. And so the reason I mentioned this is because I remember the Holy Spirit impressing upon me, you will come face to face with false prophets and the sword will do its job and um, I will vindicate you. uh, Because, beloved, the word of God will stand on its own. It really will. Mount Carmel was the place where Elijah challenged the false prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18. And it was there that God answered by fire. We know what happens. Um, he, 
you know, he built this altar and the false prophets were crying out to their God. They were cutting themselves and they were carrying on. Uh, it was completely out of order. By the way, these false prophets were backslidden Israelites, so we need to understand that as well. Um, but what God did for his servant, um, Elijah, is that he confirmed and validated his true messenger. And I just want to say to you, when you, conf- when you are confronted with error, and beloved, if you're walking with Christ, you're going to be confronted with things, and you're going to have a choice. Am I going to obey God here? Am I going to back down because I'm concerned about what may come after? Uh, we don't have a choice. Let me just put it very bluntly. We don't have a choice. God's obedient servant is going to tell the truth. They're going to present the word of God, and the false prophets will be slain by the word of God, and the fear of God will come upon the people. And literally, this is what I saw happen. I saw the mouths of these people just, it's like their jaw dropped because the anointing came in. I don't remember what I said. All I know is I said, God, take over. I need help here. So the reason I mentioned that is because on the mountain of conflict, Because of the days we live in, because of increasing lawlessness, idolatry, false teaching, rebellion, you will come into a confrontation with the wicked. Now, let me just say something here. Let's move over now and talk about our brethren in Christ, who we may have different opinions with, okay? Um, I, I was impressed by the Lord to share Romans 12, 18 with you, and I'm not going to read it now. I'm going to say it's in the notes if you want it. Just get in touch with me, okay? Romans 12, 18 says, In as much as possible with you, be at peace with all men. All right? So we need to understand because of the days in which we live, we need to choose our battles wisely. Beloved, we don't have time to have skirmishes with brethren and sisters in Christ over non-essentials of the faith. If we're mature enough in our faith, we're going to give people space and room to disagree on certain things, okay? Uh, and I'm not even going to elaborate here because you know if God is speaking something to you, if you've had a fallout with a brother and a sister, you used to be very close with them. If it was not about immorality, if it was not about out-and-out heresy, what I'm saying is the book of Romans, and Paul called Romans his gospel. He said, this is my gospel. That's what he called it. He said, if possible, be at peace with all men. So let's love one another. Let's be big enough and mature enough to say, you know what? We can agree to disagree. I love you and just let it go, okay? Now I want to talk to you about the mountain of provision for a minute. We know in Genesis 22, when God told Abraham, Take now thine son, thine only son, and offer him as a sacrifice, a burnt offering to me in the place where I will show you. Now, that's in Genesis 22, uh, in verse 2 to 8. And all I can say, you know, I can look back and see, and my husband being self-employed, we've had times of leanness and we've had times of prosperity and everything in between. And this, is, this was the walk that the Israelites had as well. And I know that you can probably say, boy, there were times in my life that were maybe a little easier, but other times that were difficult. And boy, I really had to trust God on everything. And I'm just going to say this. I honestly believe that the emptying of self will make room for the fullness of God 
And so what's happening with us, beloved, is our self-reliance is being shattered, okay? And it's being replaced with total reliance in God to meet every need. And if you can imagine the heart of a father, he's got his son Isaac carrying the wood. And again, that's a picture of Jesus, who um, Isaac is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus carried the wood of the cross up to the mount, right? And so we see Isaac carrying the wood up there because it was his father who was leading him in that direction, right? We know from that passage of scripture and the test that Abraham endured that this was a true of worship unto the Lord. He gave that which he loved the most back to God. And at that moment, when he was about to drive, plunge that knife into his precious son, Isaac. Uh, the spirit of God, the angel of the Lord called to him, and said, look, I know now that you would not withhold even your only son from me. And there was a ram that was in the bush, and God provided a ram for Abraham uh, in the place of Isaac. And, beloved, I can tell you, after years of walking with the Lord, that our Father, our past, present, and future, our Heavenly Father, supernaturally provides for everything single need we will have. Now, there's a difference between needs and wants, okay? And we all know what it means to have uh, the desires of our heart, and God does that also. But I just want to share a couple of recent examples of how God provided a couple of things for me that to you may not seem to be a big deal, but to me it is. Let me just share one that happened not long ago. Now, for all of you ladies, you will understand this. Men, you don't have to listen. But I was out of eye mascara. Yes, Sister Terry Hill wears eye mascara. Now, some of you may say, well, why do you wear makeup? Well, that's because, like my husband says, a little paint on the barn does an old barn good. So there you go. So I just like to wear my mascara and my makeup. Okay. So I had written out my shopping list for the day, and mascara was on there because I was about out, and I was impressed by the Lord, go to such and such drugstore. Now, I don't usually go there uh, to buy mascara, but I had an impression. That's all I'm going to say. I had an impression. Okay, and God is my witness. I walk in the door, and I thought, okay, let's go check out the makeup department. Maybe something will be on sale, right? I walk into the makeup department for all you ladies who go there and get what you need, right? Our little enhancements, our little beautifiers. And a lady turns around to me who happened to be demonstrating makeup that day, and she has a package, and yes, you guessed it, she was giving out free mascaras for the women that morning because she was promoting a new product line. So she hands me this mascara. I walk back to the car stunned. And I said, thank you, Jesus. This was not a necessity, but you knew what was on my list, and you gave me the desire of my heart. All right. Now, here's another one. This one just happened, and this is, again, a little thing. But, beloved, we are going to be moving into leaner and leaner times, and we're going to have to ask our Father to supply everything, and we can ask specifically, and we can be specific. So, again, one day. I'm at, uh, I believe it was Costco, um, one of the big box stores. I think it was Costco, and I had written down on my list vitamin D3 because I take my vitamins and my supplements. I try to eat right. I do what I can, 
to try to keep this body strong, right? So I walk in <clears throat> to the uh, supplement section and I look at vitamin D3 and I saw it was on sale. I said, great. So I put my hand to, to take the bottle off the shelf and I heard something inside. Okay, again, I'm going to say an impression. Don't buy it. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I'm almost out. I know it's helpful. Vitamin D3 is good. But I thought, it's got to be the Lord. Why would I feel impressed not to buy it? So I put it back. All right, now. So I come home, and God, again, is my witness to this. This was a day or two later. I don't know if it was one day or two days. My husband hands me a bottle of vitamin D3. He said, here, sister, our friend, gave it to me because she's not going to use it. Now, beloved, this is vitamin D3. This is something I had planned to buy, and I sensed by the Spirit, no, just wait, don't buy it. And I said, okay. And here it is handed into my hand. God gave me my vitamins. Now, you know what? It's these little things that tells me that my God knows about every detail in my life. And we're talking about the mountain of provision where God provided a ram, for heaven's sakes, spared his son, Abraham's own son, again, which is a type of the Lord Jesus who would be offered the word of God is true. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ. Now, beloved, these are little things, and I know that you probably have these little things happen to you in your life, and it's just a reminder that God knows about everything. Just yesterday, as I'm preparing this, I have my handouts ready. I'm sitting with the Lord, waiting on the Lord. Father, is there anything else? And I sensed, okay, there's another um, document on, on mountains that the Lord had shown me or given to me that I had done, but I had not shared on it. And so I'm looking at a stack, and I have hundreds, okay, my file cabinet, okay, has hundreds of pieces of paper. And I looked at this stack, which is probably one, two, three, I'm guessing six inches high, and then I had another stack in another location. I'm like, Lord, I don't have time. Could you please tell me, am I supposed to have this document on mountains? And my husband was sitting in the room, and I just picked this thing up, and I opened it up, and it was hundreds of tons of pages. I put my hand in, my hand touched it, and I pulled it up, the very document on the mountains. And what God has to say to us about concepts and events associated with mountains. Beloved, it was right there. I pulled it right out, and I was astounded. Now, I know you might say, well, that's a coincidence. But you know what it tells me? It tells me that I know, and you've had this happen too, that God supplies all of my needs. And he lets us know by these precious little, uh, little visits, if you could say, that he knows that we have need of certain things. So again, the mountain of provision, God supplies not only our needs, beloved, but he gives us the desires of our heart. I also want to um, talk to you now about the mount, mountain of evangelism in the book of Acts. Let's turn there for a minute. That's Acts 17. I want to read something to you. Acts chapter 17, and I want to take you to Verse 17 of Acts 17, because when I, when I was praying, Lord, what mountains, what places in Scripture do you want me to cover with your people? And I sensed that he said, 
take my people to that place in Acts 17. So it's called Mars Hill. And I want to read a segment of scripture to you, and I want to share something with you. This is Acts 17, starting at verse 17. Um, okay, uh, excuse me, verse 16. Paul was waiting at Athens, and his spirit was being provoked within him as he was beholding the city was full of idols. Now let's jump to um, verse 22. Paul stood in the midst of the area Opagus, which actually was Mars Hill. So this was an elevated raised place where these Athenians and the strangers and the philosophers, they would come and they actually would spend their time there uh, telling stories or listening to something new. So these were philosophers. These were intellectuals. So God sends Paul, Paul there. Listen to what happened. Verse 22, Paul stands in the midst and he says, Men of Athens, I observe that you are all very religious in all your respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. So in this particular place, in the mountain I call evangelism in Mars Hill, we see the Apostle Paul exhorting, warning, and revealing the unknown God to the lost. Now I want to take you to Isaiah 52, and I want to share something also. Isaiah 52 Okay, Isaiah 52, starting at verse 7. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. Now listen to Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. This is prophesied of Jesus, but it also speaks of those who would be in Christ. So we see it both the Old and the New Testament. Listen to Isaiah 61, 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now, Jesus stopped there, but listen to the rest of it, okay? He also says, and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort those who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them garland instead of ashes and the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Let me just share something with you. When evangelism, when we're sharing our faith, if you're listening to any message on radio, on YouTube, in a church message, wherever you are, wherever you go, beloved, anytime Jesus shows up, let me tell you something. He will always give you hope. I don't care how dismal it is, how corrupt 
the nations become and the leaders, regardless of what the Illuminati and others think they are planning because they think they are in control, we hear a lot of bad news because we live in a season where things are going from bad to worse. Let me ask you a question. What do you think the end of the age is going to look like? Answer, right now. All right? But my point here is Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he said, I'm bringing good news to the afflicted. So, beloved, if you're hearing from a ministry, a person, a platform, a venue, and there's no hope, there's no good news, There's no excitement about the Lord Jesus coming. There's no reminder of the fact that he gives us hope, that he forgives us of our sin. He binds up our wounds. He proclaims liberty to the captives. Beloved, turn them off and shut them off because the God that I know, the God that I read about in the Gospels, every time Jesus shows up, what does he say? Peace be unto you. Fear not, I am with you, even to the end of the age. Our beloved Father, is a judge, let me tell you, but he also, in his word, has written for you and for me, his mercies are new every morning. Glory to his holy name. God, you are good all the time. In fact, the word gospel means good news. So when we share the gospel with people, when we share our testimony, yes, we can share and begin from the platform of the events that we see, and yes, they're pretty dismal. People need to hear hope, beloved. They need to know that there's going to be an end of all of this. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again in glory and in power. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now I want to talk to you about the Mount of Transfiguration because I love this. In Matthew chapter 17, we see and we read about um, the time when Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a high mountain. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, we see uh, the Lord himself glorified. Uh, We see here also a very clear picture of the rapture and resurrection. Now, Peter, James, and John were privileged to see this. All right. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ was um, literally glorified in their very presence. And there Elijah appeared and also Moses appeared. So what we're seeing is a picture of Jesus glorified, glorified appearing with Elijah, who was translated, and Moses, who died. So we see a picture of the prophets. Uh, Elijah typifying the prophets and Moses, who is symbolic of the law, we see the very one, Jesus, the great king, the coming Messiah, who is judge, who will fix this mess when he comes. But, beloved, everything that the prophets spoke of, everything that the law spoke of, being typified by Elijah and Moses, Jesus was there in their midst. And when Peter spoke up with his idea about building a tabernacle, one for each of them, God bless him, uh, he was thinking it was about the Feast of Tabernacles. But, you know, he had good intentions, right? But he spoke up. But notice in that passage in Matthew 17, you can read it later, the voice of the Father broke in upon it. Basically, they're all on their face, right? Hearing the Father's voice and seeing this. Listen, this is my son. Listen to him. And the Bible um, records for us 
that it was just the Jesus then who stood alone in their midst. Now, any one of us who have had an encounter with the Lord and this encounter that Peter, James, and John had, and Jesus said to them specifically, don't even talk about this until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Can you imagine uh, the test that they had to go through just in not talking about what they had just seen? Now, beloved, there are times I would love to just stay parked in the presence of the Lord when he's visiting, when I'm reading his word, when something comes alive, uh, when I just want to be by myself and I don't want to step foot outside the house because it seems like the minute you do, I tell you what, uh, it's just the world we live in. Again, we're strangers and pilgrims and nomads in the earth, right? Right after this experience, Jesus leads them down the mountain, and what happens? They encounter a demon-possessed man. It's the world we live in, beloved. He gives us visions. He gives us hope. He gives us faith. He, he gives little glimpses of himself to tell us, this is who I am. I have called you. I've allowed you to see this. I've allowed you to walk through some things because I want you to remember when you run into these demon-possessed people that I've given you power. I've given you authority, and I am with you. So in the Mount of Transfiguration, I love that because it's a picture of one who was translated and one who died. And Jesus is coming with or in the clouds, which I believe is a direct reference to the cloud of witnesses that the book of Hebrews talks about. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I also want to talk about um, the mountain of the law. Okay, in Exodus 19, uh, we know that God gave the law to Moses, right? And Moses gave the law to the people. But again, I want to say something here. One of the things that the Lord delivered me from, and he probably is still delivering me from, because I came out of Catholicism, there's a lot of legalism attached to it. And perhaps some of you were raised in the Catholic Church and... um, all the rituals and everything that you have to go through if you're a good little Catholic. One of the things that I did right after I was born again is I did a pretty deep dive study into what the Vatican was and what the Pope did and what really goes on and the idolatry that is entrenched in the system. And then after I worked through a period of time of being angry because I was angry because I felt like I was deceived for so many years, I realized and I certainly know now, nothing is wasted, beloved. When he pulls us out of error, when he pulls us out of a system of idolatry and error, and we come to the other side and we realize, all right, good, this is a tool that God can use for me to help reach others who are still there, not being angry anymore, but realizing that it was by the very sovereignty and grace of God that he opened my eyes and your eyes to pull us out of that snare and that darkness so we could be a light. So in the mountain of the law, which of course we know was Sinai is where the law was given, we realized that we are all guilty of breaking God's law, that we never, ever can measure up as hard as we try. And when we come to that place of seeing how incredibly, I'm not sure I've even had this revelation until just the past few years. The more I am faced with my own failure and the fact that I've missed the mark, I I believe God has given me a greater understanding of his grace than I have ever, ever had because I realize 
that he literally has redeemed me. He literally has redeemed you from the curse of the law. And under the new covenant, it's a different law now. Uh, It's the writing of God's law on the heart. And the book of Romans tells us that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. All right. And we've been set free from the law of sin and death. We are under another law now. It's the law of love and liberty in Christ Jesus. But we also still know that when Jesus ran into religious people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, for example, he he told them, he said, if you believed what Moses wrote, then you would recognize who I am. If you believed the law, uh, in other words, and the prophets, that you would see and know who I am. Beloved, we absolutely cannot take any credit for what we see, what we know, or encounters with Christ. This is sovereignly by his grace. Now, yes, we have to participate, and we cry out in hunger, but I'm absolutely convinced that God responds to the hunger of our heart. And one thing I also know Concerning repentance, because I did certainly have to repent of my sin and idolatry and my past when I came to saving grace in Christ, I realized that this is a gift of God. Even repentance is a gift. I mean, we can't take credit for anything. It is all by grace. For by grace, we've been saved through faith, not that of ourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. And so we still look into God's word, we meditate into his word and his law and his commandments, and we don't diminish his word and we don't add to it. Amen. Enough said about the mountain of the law, but when he frees you from legalism and a spirit of performance, wow. I mean, you talk about entering into his rest when we meet him there and he reveals and says i'm only showing you the law because i want you to come to the understanding this is like a a schoolmaster to lead us to the fact that i can't possibly keep god's law therefore as we share with others none of us can keep god's law then the grace of god is revealed in jesus who became our righteousness and that we might be made the righteousness of god in christ absolutely incredible his righteousness for our failure What a wonderful, amazing God that we serve, Yeshua Jesus, Yahweh our Father. What an awesome, wonderful God. No wonder he told his people. No wonder he told Lot through the angel, escape to the mountain, because God was going to meet him there. He was going to preserve him. No wonder he told Moses, come up to me on the mountain. No wonder he told Elijah, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. You know, I love looking at the life of Elijah, okay? I love reading about different ones in Scripture, and I feel like I need to take you to 1 Kings 19. All right, let's go to 1 Kings 19 because I want to talk to you for a minute about the mountain of isolation, okay? And if what I'm able to share tonight is helpful, then I'm grateful for that. So in 1 Kings 19, okay, I I want to start at verse 9. This is a picture of Elijah at Mount Horeb, okay? Um, he had just had a miraculous thing happen. The angel of the Lord actually came, woke him up a couple times, brought water to him, actually prepared food for him. And so Elijah ate it. In verse 9 it says, there he, then he came to a cave and he lodged there, 
all right? So he's actually on the run. He's running from Jezebel, all right? And the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10, he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts. The sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. And they're seeking my life to take it away. Verse 11, notice what God says. Get up, Elijah. Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. All right. Again, a call up to the mountain. Come stand before me. Elijah, I'm going to reveal myself. I'm going to do something. I'm going to say something. And when he did that, it says, behold, the Lord was passing by. This was verse 11. And a great and a strong wind was rending the mountains. Let me tell you, the wind of the Holy Spirit is going to rend every mountain. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess glory to God. Every mountain, every religious denomination, every um, device of man that has been erected, every tower, that has been erected, every nation, every government of man is going to come and bow at the name of the Lord Jesus. I love this. It says that the strong wind was rending, breaking the mountains, breaking them in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but he wasn't in the earthquake. Verse 12, after the earthquake of fire, the Lord wasn't in the fire. After the fire, the sound of a gentle blowing. Verse 13, came about when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle. He went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, I don't know how many days this whole section of scripture transpired, but twice in verse 9, once he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And then he says it in verse 13, what are you doing here, Elijah? I want to talk about this mountain of isolation because my guess is that some of us have at least been there. Maybe some of us are there now. God sees the cave that we hide in, beloved, and it can be due to different things. Perhaps it's due to fear, maybe depression, rejection, maybe self-pity, maybe having felt abandoned or just simply saying, I'm giving up. I can't take any more. This is too hard. Now, what I love about how God deals with with him, he's persistent, okay? So he asked him one time, and uh, Elijah gives him an answer. It almost seems like God ignores him for a minute. And then again, when he asks him in verse 13, what are you doing here, Elijah? He says it again, the same thing again. But the Lord basically said, now get up and go, okay? Return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. What he was telling him, He's saying, I know what you're going through. I know what you've been through. I see that you're being persecuted. Yes, you're dealing with fear. Yes, you've become depressed. Maybe you're feeling abandoned. You're feeling completely alone. You think you're the only one that's going through this. You know, our Heavenly Father is so good, beloved. He's so patient with us. And yes, your trial and your Pain may not be what I'm going through, but nevertheless, it's valid, all right? But notice what God says to him. This is what he's saying to us. If we feel stuck, it's like we're in hiding. I can't deal living with people. I want to stay here. I don't want to get out. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to see another person. I just want to do it from my house and on and on. But notice what God says in verse 15. He said, get up, uh, go on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you have arrived, 
He had an assignment for Elijah. He said, you're going to anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Then you're going to anoint Jehu to be king over Israel. And then you're going to anoint, anoint Elisha. You're going to anoint him as a prophet in your place. So, beloved, I don't know if you're feeling isolated, if you purposely feel like you're hiding. I don't know what your cave looks like. I don't know what it is that has driven you there. But let me just say something. God understands. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. And he hasn't given up on you. Maybe you fail. Maybe you fell flat on your face and you say, how can he forgive me again? Let me just tell you something. You do know that Sister Carrie is talking to you and you do know that Sister Carrie has blown it. But God has said, if you confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive you. Friends, I blow it. I miss the mark. And boy, he lets us know, doesn't he? But you know what? You have to shake the dust off of your feet and understand that God has called you. He hasn't given up on you. You have a calling on your life. Now, you may not think that your calling or your gift really makes a difference, but I'm here to tell you it makes a huge difference. For Elijah, he had to anoint some people. But the very cool thing is, what I love is that he joined him to Elisha. He gave him someone who would walk with him. Elisha would be his disciple. Elisha would be one that walked with him. And then you know the story, and you can read about it in um, uh, First Kings later. But let me just say that you and I have an assignment, and we don't want to get stuck in a cave because of past hurts or past wounds, okay? So we need to leave that mountain of isolation. There's good times to come away and to be alone with God, but we can't live there, okay? And so I was impressed just to share that with you, and I pray that that would be a blessing to you. I also want to talk to you about the mountain of escape because God does provide and make a way of escape for us. He provides a way of escape from destruction. He'll do it again. He provided an ark for Noah and his family. He is going to, he has um, a plan in place, beloved. Don't let anybody tell you that there is no harpazo, which is a rapture. Don't let anyone tell you that it's not anywhere in the word of God, because I tell you, it's all the way through the word of God. And I've spent some time on this program talking about that. Let me tell you, in a time of temptation, when you don't think you can take any more, God will make a way of escape for you. He will have someone call you at the right time, visit you. He will provide that in that time of temptation where you don't think you're going to make it. How are we going to pay the bills here, Lord? How are we going to do it? And someone will bless you with a financial gift. I know what that's like, beloved. And it's absolutely amazing to me. Or you're in danger or you're, you're so afraid that you cannot go back and face that person at work again or that family member or that friend. You can't go back because you know the temptation is really strong or you know the trial is going to be really difficult. But, you know, Psalm 11:1 1 says, flee like a bird to your mountain. And let me tell you something, beloved. God gives us a place to flee, and that place is right into his arms. There's a mountain in Scripture that is mentioned more than any other mountain, and that's Mount Zion, beloved. Zion means the mountain of light. 
And the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, stands upon Mount Zion. It's the throne of his authority. It's the seat of his power. And though I can't go into much about it tonight, perhaps we'll pick it up next time, I want to tell you something, that as we go from one mountain, one landmark to the next, you know, when the disciples saw Jesus at the mountain of ascension, this was after 40 days, he had been instructing them. This was actually the risen Christ who had already ascended. He's going to return in the same way he was taking up. And I tell you, there's a mountain of spiritual growth that all of us are probably visiting now. We don't even know we've been there or we are there now or he's about to take us to. That mountain of spiritual growth in Hosea talks to us about a steady progression for what he's doing, what he's testing, and these trials and these tribulations, he's taking us from faith to faith. Romans 1.17 tells us that. He gives us initial faith, okay, faith to believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that we need to be born again. He gives us that saving faith, but guess what? With every test, with every trial, every step we take, and yes, when we fall and we blow it, but we get up, we shake off the dust, and we know that he still loves us regardless, okay? He takes us from faith to faith. And Psalm 84, 7 says he takes us from strength to strength, right? Uh, I used to work out at the gym all the time, okay? Maybe some of you work out at the gym now. I don't know. But, you know, those muscles need to be developed, right? And when we're strengthened in the natural, when our muscles are strong and we have good body tone, right, we're in better shape, right, and it strengthens us. He's doing that. He's taking us from strength to strength. Where you are in your walk now, look back 10, 15, 20, maybe more years when you walk with Christ and ask him, could you show me, Lord, where I did pass the test? Ask him. Lord, show me what it is you're doing. How can I cooperate? He will show you. He is strengthening you, beloved. He's making you stronger and stronger. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says he takes us from glory to glory. And you know, beloved, as we get little glimpses as he reveals himself to us on the mountain of teaching, when we begin with sound doctrine that begins with milk, right, and then progresses to meat, solid food, right? The mountain of teaching. Jesus will teach us just what we need to know when we are able to receive it, right? For those of us who are parents, right? They started with milk, they progressed to baby food, and then solid food. Beloved, we need to know when we look back and we we see he takes us to this mountain of prayer, I promise you, he will meet with you there. And he will touch you and he will strengthen you the mountain of the law where you realize under the new covenant, it's a law of love. It's a great law because we're no longer bound by thinking we'll never measure up. And we realize that it's the law of the spirit of Christ in Christ Jesus that makes us free from the law of sin and death. And in the mountain of conflict, if you find yourself there now and it's, um, it's gotten really rough or If you're in the mountain of temptation like Jesus was, where the enemy took him up to a high place, he basically said, I'll give all of this to you, Jesus. He presents the bait, right? On the mountain of temptation, he caught up the son of the living God. He said, I'm going to take you here. 
took him up to the pinnacle of the temple. I'll give all of this to you if you'll just bow to me. In other words, if you'll just do it my way, by the strength of your flesh, you can bypass the cross. He will do that with every son or daughter of God. Beloved, the cross is the power. We won't bypass that cross. Every true blessing that is eternal comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. And as we deny ourselves and say no, I say no to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And I assure you, beloved, you are making progress. I assure you that day by day as you get up, dust yourself off, just put one foot in front of the other, keep praising him, thanking him, keep asking him for a glimpse of eternity. Jesus, let me see your face. Show me your glory. As he teaches us about worship on the mountain of worship, we realize it's not a geographical location. It is a cry of the heart for we worship him in spirit and in truth. Beloved, he's taking us from strength to strength, from glory to glory. He is, in fact, causing us to ascend on the inside. He's changing us to him be the glory and the honor and the praise. And I say, God bless you, John. God bless you, brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. That's awesome. Very, very, uh, very, very um, encouraging and, um, and and incredibly accurate. Praise Jesus. Thank you so much for sharing this with us tonight. Um, like I said before, and I, I'll always say it, it, you know, we just absolutely love it when you join us. And uh, it's just a mighty and powerful blessing. Thank you, Sister Terry, for, for uh, sharing this message again. This is entitled, They Met Him on the Mountain. And, uh, and again, uh, Terry's website is A Word in Do season.com and um and uh terry do you want to go ahead and share your uh email one one more time with everybody yes john gladly uh for anyone who uh would like prayer requests or if you would like me to send you some notes um related to the message that is a word in due season 777 at gmail.com thank you praise god Thank you for joining us tonight, Terry. Um, looking at the clock, looks like uh, the next program, Lord willing, will be this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Um, double checking my travel calendar. Yep. So it looks like I'm safe for 14 days. <laughs> I got to travel again. All right. So anyway, God bless you all. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you Wednesday night, Lord willing, at 7 p.m. Thank you, Terry. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free 
I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.